Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. This morning's sermon is the final in our series on spiritual disciplines. And this morning, I'm going to teach or preach on Sabbath rest. As always, I want to remind us that City Church is a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church calling people to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. What we're doing throughout 2024 is we're taking a look at the kingdom of God through the lens of life in the spirit, and we felt like God called us to begin this year by looking at spiritual disciplines so that you and I could walk into this year well. Spiritual discipline, Sabbath rest. The Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor thy father and mother. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor and you shall not covet. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. No one cares because the Green Bay Packers are not playing. (laughs) Many people care this year that have never cared about football before because Taylor Swift will be in the stands and there might be more Swifties watching than NFL fans. But here's what I know. I know that If one of the teams goes out onto the field with 11 players and the other team says, we're bringing 50 and we're going to put them on the field at once, everyone would say, this is going to become chaos and it won't work. The reason why is that all of us get to a point in life, hopefully it's known as maturity, where you know that rules matter. They're important. And if you don't have them, things cease to make sense. You see, what we just read were known as the Ten Commandments. These ten rules, commandments, or invitations were given to a group of people who for 430 years had lived as slaves for Pharaoh. Pharaoh told them where to go, what to be, how to be, how long to work, and how much to produce. And when God moves in to set his people free, he begins by telling them, here are 10 things you need to keep in mind. And if you do, you will flourish and you'll prosper. I'm going to come back to that in just a few moments. What I want to talk to us this morning about is Sabbath rest. The way you teach scripture well, you begin with what's called the law of first mention. Biblical scholars will tell you if you want to understand a topic, you go to where it's first mentioned in the Bible. And in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, it's the first time Sabbath or rest is mentioned. Genesis 2, 2 through 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he, what's the next word? Rested. In Hebrew, that's the Hebrew verb form of the noun Shabbat or Sabbath. It literally says in Hebrew, 
that God Sabbathed on the seventh day from all of his work. Shabbat means to stop, cease, or desist. Reading on it says, then God blessed the seventh day and made it, what's the next word? Holy. Holy simply means to set apart. God made it holy. He set apart that one day because on it he rested, he Sabbathed from all the work of creating that he had done. So here's what we know. God's law says six days you work. One day you rest. Six days you work. One day you make that day holy. That day is to be set apart from all the other days. It's to be different. But here's what I know. Think it through. Does God ever get tired? God doesn't get tired. So what does it mean that God rested? Why did God rest? Why did God stop? God's not like you and me. God has all the power there is. And so what ancient Jewish biblical scholars teach us is that on the seventh day, God didn't rest because he was tired. God rested because God knows when to say enough. Enough. As a matter of fact, a lot of people read in the Older Testament that God's the God that knows to say enough. You and I don't. And because of that, God shows up and says, six days you work. On the seventh, you say enough. But here's what I know. There are a lot of us sitting here who you have a constant voice in your head that says this, I am not enough and I don't do enough. I am not enough and I don't do enough. We're gonna come back to that in a moment as well. But what we find in scripture is that in the creation story, Sabbath is brought to us And then in Exodus chapter 20, that Sabbath becomes codified into the law of God. It goes from being part of God resting in the creation story to where now it's literally codified for the first time. It'll be codified twice. But the first time, we find it as the fourth commandment in the book of Exodus. I've given it to us in brief form. Now we're going to read the whole thing. Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. It's where you say, enough. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What you will find in the Ten Commandments, nine of them begin by saying, you shall not. This is the only one that says the following two commands. Remember and keep it holy. Remember, keeping it holy means set apart. 
It's not like the other six. That's what it means to keep it holy. It's different than the other six. And you will also notice this is the only law with a command to remember. Remember it. I'd ask for a show of hands, but it might be embarrassing. How many of you have totally forgotten Sabbath? It's very quiet in the house of the Lord. God knows we're going to forget it. So that's why this one says, remember. And I'm here to remind us this morning. Ultimately, what this command is, it's really an invitation. Are you willing to trust God? What we'll find in the text, by the way, is that this law is codified twice. Again, as a reminder, Exodus 20, verse 11 says this, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested, he sabbathed on the seventh day, and because of that, Exodus says, so should you. Because God said enough after six days, and he rested, then we should as well. We should rest too. But the second time we receive the law, it comes from a different perspective. There's an added perspective, and this is where it gets important for me and you. Exodus says, you rest because God did. Deuteronomy, the second time it's codified, has a different emphasis. It's added to the first one. Deuteronomy 5.15. Here's what the text says. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. The first command, when it's codified, says remember it because God did it. This time, it's different. This time, God commands it because you used to live under Pharaoh as your God and king. And now God says, you are now under me. And if you have taken your citizenship from the kingdom of Pharaoh to the kingdom of God, this invitation is for you. Why is this important? Here's why. For 430 years, the Jews lived under the thumb of Pharaoh. We know from the book of Exodus, the Jews never got a day off. Pharaoh demanded more and more and more work. We know that your life depended on, your identity was all about, your value was all about how many bricks can you make. And then all of a sudden, God sets them free. And says, oh, by the way, Pharaoh was viewed as a god, and you lived under that god, and now I'm going to lead you to the promised land and into freedom from that slavery underneath me, and the first thing I'm going to tell you when you come into my kingdom is, I want you to rest. I want you to rest. If you live under this god and this kingdom, which, oh, by the way, Pharaoh's still alive and well. It's called the American dream. If you live here, all of your value, all of your worth, all of who you are is based on your work. 
Your value is your work, what you can produce. And God says, not in my kingdom, no way. In my kingdom, your value is based upon the fact that I love you, that you are created in my image. And I'm going to call you and invite you to rest. Now, it's interesting to note that most of us live in this kingdom six days a week. Six days a week, your value is based on what you can produce. Your work is your worth. Your identity is found in your work. We live there six days a week, and that's why God says, here's the thing. You're going to take one day out of seven. These six, you're going to live here. And if you're like me, in those six days, you can become infected by and infested by that kingdom. But one day a week, God says, nope, as my people, I want you to come into my kingdom fully. And on that day, you remember again, your value, your worth is not based on what you can produce. Your value is based on me and that I love you. Welcome to my kingdom. Welcome to my kingdom. But what I do know is we struggle terribly with this. And yet somehow we know in the back of our minds that those ten commandments and this fourth one in particular, we somehow intuitively know if I'm going to flourish as a person, God might know best. And so I better start paying attention to God. If he made me, and he knows how I work, then six days you labor, but the seventh day is set apart to God. It is set apart. It is made holy because on this day, it's fundamentally lived differently than the other six. How it works. Now, when we think about this, I already know some of you are going through the mental math. You're saying, there's no way I can do this. What I want to encourage you to do is what the Israelites had to do, trust God. They were an agricultural society. They were in, ag and, and if you take a day off, you learn that you kind of got to trust God that he's going to take care of all of that when I leave here and go over here on that one day, I'm, I'm truly going to trust that God's got it, that he has it, and he'll take care of it, and I'm going to come over here and take a day, set it apart, make it holy, and I'm going to focus on him. I am keenly aware that some of you have lived under Pharaoh your whole life. Your identity is held captive to what you do. The good news of the gospel is you don't have to live like this. There's another path, there's another way, there's another God and another kingdom. Now as a church that calls us to follow Jesus, let's take a look at Jesus in the Sabbath. Many Jesus followers believe that Jesus ignored the Sabbath he definitively did not. Jesus lived the Sabbath every week. He never stopped. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to take a brief look at an episode with Jesus where he declares he's Lord of the Sabbath. How does he handle Sabbath? What does it look like for him? Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 27. Here's the episode of Jesus and the Sabbath. Here we go. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. I grew up doing this. We had wheat fields. All of our cover crops were winter wheat. The first harvest of the year was the winter wheat, and I would walk through our wheat fields as a kid on the farm, and what you do is as you walk through the wheat, you just drop your hand, you strip the wheat, you go like this, you blow on it, and all the husks go away, and you pop the kernels in your mouth. It's like a little snack. What's amazing is once in a while you get a bug or a worm, but we're not going to talk about that. That's all his disciples were doing. They were walking on the Sabbath in the beauty of the harvest, acknowledging God, giving thanks to God, and then this is what happens. Here's what said. The Pharisees said to him, meaning Jesus, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered, Jesus does, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companion. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So as a refresher, what we just read, Mark 2, 27 and 28, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You see, by the time of Jesus, this invitation to rest had become a billy club with which to beat on people. Many in spiritual leadership at the time of Jesus, this is how they judged your righteousness. What do you do on the Sabbath? And because of this, what had ended up happening was the Sabbath had become something that dominated man and pushed them down and smothered them. Dare I say, it might have been the worst day of the week. Reading on after Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, literally the next episode is this, Mark 3, 1 through 6. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there and some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus went to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone, he said, and then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. In other words, Jesus just proved he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill him. You see, by the time of Jesus, the command of God, which began this way, Remember the Sabbath and keep it, what? Holy. That's the only part of the command that's given. 
That's it. There's a day that is to be set apart unlike the other six, and on it you shall do no work, and you shall separate it and save it for God. But by the time of Jesus, there were volumes of rules. It's called the Mishnah. They were known as the traditions of men. And when Jesus is rebuked for what he's doing on the Sabbath, that's what they're referencing. They're saying, Jesus, don't you know the Mishnah? Don't you know what we've all agreed upon? The Sabbath involves things like you can only walk a quarter mile. You can't cook. You can't do this. You can't do that. Obviously, you can't pick grain and you can't heal. You see, the Bible never says any of those. All the Bible says to me and to you is this. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. That's what it says. What's even more shocking is that in some streams of Christianity, what the Sabbath is is literally fought over. There are some denominations that say if you don't worship on Saturday, it doesn't count. Others say if you don't worship on Sunday, it doesn't count. And all I have to say to that is this. That's the very thing Jesus was fighting against. And yet it's now part of Christianity. Mind-blowing. Well, here's what I can tell you. My Sabbath isn't on Sunday. You want to know why? I'm working right now, in case you didn't notice. (laughs) The truth of it is, I love what I do. I love pastoring. I love preaching. Preaching three times on a Sunday is not a burden for me. It's incredibly life-giving, and I absolutely love it. But at about 2.30 this afternoon, I will lay before the Lord (laughs) and take what's called a power nap. Why? I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. And so anyone who argues this point with you, especially clergy, if I could be so bold, they're lying to you. My Sabbath is on Friday or Saturday, or Monday. It's a day that's not like the others. It's a day where I put feet to my faith when it comes to the Sabbath. And in order to remind us again, in putting feet to your faith with the Sabbath, here's what the text calls you to. Remember, don't forget it, and keep it holy. Remember that so often we find ourselves under Pharaoh who says your value is what you produce. Your worth is your work. And one day of the week we come out from underneath that and we come over here and we take one day where we look at that lie and we say that's not true of me. This day is a day that isn't like the other six. It's a day where I remember to keep the Sabbath and to keep it holy. To help you to understand, there's three quick things I want you to think about. What is Sabbath? Sabbath means to stop. Stop working. Stop worrying. Stop wanting. The Sabbath is about stop working. Stop worrying. That's the day where you look at God and say, God, I realign myself with you're the God that provides. This is the day I'm going to trust. This is the day like the other six ought to be, but today definitively I'm going to stop working, stop worrying, and stop wanting. 
Many who have done Sabbath for centuries, if not millennium, have said to us the following thing. Here's Sabbath. Sabbath is we rest, we play, we feast, we worship, no work. God loves us. We rest, we play, we feast, we worship, no work. God loves us. You know, when I think about my Sabbath rest, I absolutely refuse to do any math. I hate math. You might love it. You might do math on the Sabbath. I was raised on a farm, and we had a huge yard. I used to beg my dad to get a riding lawnmower. And he said, why would I spend my money on that when I have you to push one? I hate mowing lawn. You may love it. Your Sabbath may involve you mowing the lawn because you love it. Not me, man. No math, no lawn work. You see, all the Bible does say is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Take time where you have God thought. Another way to put it would be this. On that day, you rest, you recover, you trust, and you worship. You have thoughts of God and gratitude towards him. That's what Sabbath is. But what I know for sure is some of you are so immersed in Pharaoh's culture. You are so immersed in the spirit of the age. You are so immersed in that kingdom that opposes God's best that the thought of Sabbath is almost in opposition to everything you believe. I want to challenge that. I believe God knows best. Could it be that God's calling you to be a person of Sabbath? That at sundown on one day to sundown on the next, you will make that day holy and set it apart to God. Would you stand with me? Let's take a moment to close our eyes in God's presence. Jesus calls us to follow him and he celebrated Sabbath. Jesus took one day and it was not like any other. It was set apart. It was holy unto the Lord. A Sabbath rest is not a day where we get buried in Netflix and do all the work that we're not paid to do. It's not Sabbath. Sabbath is when we meet with people that we love and they love us. It's a day of rest. It's a day of restoration. It's the day of enjoying the beauty of God's creation and having a lot of God thoughts. It's that day. Now, God, as we stand in your presence, I pray that you would help us to be women and men who remember the Sabbath and keep it holy.